yo, yo. Welcome to episode number 71 of the Basketball Card Podcast. I am your host, Adam. You can reach me at the real 27 guy on Instagram. Welcome, everybody. Let's get right into it today. Basketball is so much fun, and there's nothing better than playoff basketball. Am I right? Uh, this time of year is as good as any other, and so I'm hyped to talk to you about it. First, though, let me just say this episode is brought to you by Basketball Card Fanatic Magazine. BCF is a magazine for basketball card fanatics. It's issued every month through the mail and digitally. That's right. You can have it in print or in digital, whatever your preference is. Uh, It's only for real basketball card nerds. I'm telling you guys right now. Uh, It issues, like I said, every month. And you can get it today at bcfmag.com. Again, bcfmag.com. So with that said, let's talk some basketball. The conference finals are over. It's crazy, man. The season just comes and goes so fast. And uh, the the finals are here. But before we talk about the finals, I want to talk about the conference finals. I want to talk about how it it affects or influences our cards, influences the market, and how people are probably thinking about things right now and what we have to look at in the future. So let's first talk about the teams that are now out of the playoffs and what what the market probably means for them. For what it's worth, I am never somebody who buys cards when the cards are increasing in value significantly. Uh, At least I should say I rarely am that guy. For the most part, if you're chasing after cards that are increasing in value, you're probably doing it wrong. Um, You know, the the thing that, that we've seen over and over again through the years is that when a team wins a lot of games that a lot of everybody in the market then rushes to buy somebody their cards, and generally, you were then at that point too late. That I say generally because every now and then you'll see a situation where a guy goes up from, you know, from 100 to 120, and you think, oh, you know, they missed the boat. But then you could have bought it in at 120, and then later it goes up to 150 or 200, right? That sort of thing does happen, and so you have to be be really um, thoughtful about where the market is and where it's likely to go. So. Let's talk for a second about who who is now out of the playoffs. So with the Nuggets beating the Lakers and with the Heat beating the Celtics, the big stars that are that are no longer in the playoffs for, for Boston are Jalen uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Anthony Davis and LeBron James for the Lakers. And we're going to talk about each one of these four uh, in detail here for a moment before we continue on the podcast. The first thing that I want to say about Tatum is he's 25 years old. Right. He's a very young basketball player in terms of his total longevity, but we may not always see him that way because we've seen him in the conference finals virtually every year, right? Basically every year of his career, he's been in the conference finals or close to it. Um, he's been to the finals multiple times um, and he he has crazy per game numbers, right? I just pulled this up. He's, he, for, the, for the season, he played 74 games and 37 minutes a game, he averaged 30.1 points on 47% field goal shooting and 35% from three with almost nine boards and five assists a game and over a steal a game. So what you what you have to understand when you look at a guy like that is he's already a big time star. But the, the question in cards isn't, are you a big time star? Because there's, there's several of those guys in the NBA, right? There's probably eight big time stars every year. The question is whether he can be somebody who takes his team to championships. 
You might hear people talk about this all the time. You'll, you'll hear them say, that guy's got to win a championship. I don't always think people understand what that really means. Um, to me, what it, what, what I, why I think he has to win a championship is that for, for the market to value him, for collectors to want to spend huge amounts of money on his cards, generally, that means he has to win. Has to win it all. For him to, to get into the next group, because he's been solidly in the second group, right? For him to get to the highest group, he has to, and to be like the, the face of the league, he has to win the big one. And I think this year, a lot of people are sort of standing back and wondering whether he has that in him, whether the team has, has that in them. And I don't really know what the answers to those things are. The only thing I would sort of suggest is 25 years old, this guy's got, like, look at, look at his body, look at how he plays. He should legitimately have 10 years of incredible production. He's going to be, you know, injuries withstanding. He's going to be one of the real players of the era of the era. Can he be one of the very, you know, tip top players of the era? That's going to depend on what Boston does. You can bet your bottom dollar. They're not going to let that guy go, right? Unless he demands a trade. I don't see him going anywhere. He's in a great market. He has all the skills and he has the look. He has so many things about him. I personally, if I had Jason Tatum cards, would not think of now as a time to sell his cards. I think that right now might be the worst time after a disappointing loss. Um, and uh, I don't have any, but that's how I would think about it. So then you move on to Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, um, I think some people think of him in the card world as like real second fiddle to Jason Tatum. He's just sort of a guy who's who's out there who, who's pretty good maybe like a 20-point game score. Guys, he averaged almost 27 points a game this year. There's not many of those guys in the NBA, especially as guys who are secondary players. His efficiency wasn't bad either. He's not quite the three-point shooter that Tatum is, but he averaged, but he actually shot 49.1% uh, from the field. So he averaged three and a half less points than Tatum, but on significantly better efficiency, at least from the field. Like I said, just a little bit less from the three-point line, but still 33.5%, which is which is just fine. Seven rebounds, three and a half assists, 1.1 steals. Listening to the Boston podcasts, it sounds like some people have really soured on Tate, on Brown. Um, but I'm going to tell you right now, if people are if, if that fa if that franchise is soured on him. There are a lot of teams that are going to go after him because guys that average 20, guys that are wings, who are athletic wings, who can score 27 points a game, they just do not grow on trees, guys. It's very rare to see somebody like this in the NBA become available. And there's definitely rumblings that he might become available. So whenever you have a player who might be traded from a franchise, franchise like Boston, you have to be a little bit careful because a lot of how that player will do in the market depends on where they go. Is he going to go to, is he going to get, go to LA or is he going to go to Salt Lake? Those are massive differences, right? Is he going to go to Portland? Um, when you're holding big time cards for players like that, you've got to consider where they're going to be traded to because if they go to the wrong place, you can lose half your value overnight. A lot of times the value is baked into where the player is actually playing. And some people might say, might scoff at that and they might say, no, it doesn't matter where you play today. It's bullcrap. It does matter. And the reason that it matters is that the, that the people who have been buying those cards, in some cases, have bought them as fans of the team. I'm a great example of this. If a guy is on the Jazz, 
I might have interest in their cards. But if we go and trade trade them to the Cleveland Cavaliers, <clears throat> what we did to Donovan Mitchell, then I'm not going to be interested in them anymore. I'm just not. I was a fan of his when he was on the Jazz. I didn't care once he went to Cleveland. Now, in that case, it might have helped him in, in, in other ways, right? But that's exactly getting at the point. It depends on where the guy gets traded. And a guy like a guy like Jalen Brown, there's a lot of rumblings. I personally, I wouldn't trade them unless, you know, the front office always knows more than we fans do. If, if the front office really has a strong indication that they can't play together or that it's not reparable or whatever, he might be forced to make that decision. Um, you know, obviously, he's going to cost a lot of money. And they may, you know, get nervous about that too. But feel like they can afford him and they feel like those two guys do really love each other and they want to be on the same team. I just don't think you can trade Jalen Brown. You're talking about 60 points a game nearly between those two guys' performance every game. From the wing positions, that's what the Clippers wanted when they went out and they got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And those guys have never been able to do it, even for a single season because they can't stay healthy. Whereas Tatum and Brown, for the most part, not totally, but for the most part, had been pretty healthy. Both guys last year, Brown's, Brown played 67 games. Tatum played 74. Again, the Clippers with George and Kawhi just wish that they'd had that production. So those are my thoughts on Boston. Try to make this a little bit quicker going forward. Let's talk about the Lakers. Okay. LeBron has literally never been a better buy. That's my opinion. That's what I think. I've never owned a big-time LeBron rookie. I might here in the near future. And the reason's simple, guys. You never buy when the market's you know super hot. You don't. Doesn't make sense. Why buy when something's you know flying you know in the, in in the upward direction? You're going to lose in most of those cases. You buy when the market's down. Here we have the all-time leading scorer, a guy who's won multiple championships, who most people think is the second player, best player of all time. I personally don't. I don't really care. He's definitely the player of the era when it comes to popularity and, and influence and um, you know, cultural significance. Um, I've always had a few. Big, bigger cards, nicer cards of his. I've got an exquisite, a couple exquisite autograph patches, not from his rookie year. I've got his 2012 silver prism. I've got a couple other cards that I really like of his, but I've never owned the big rookie card. And given where prices have decreased so much, I personally feel like now is really the time. Check this out. Last year, he only played 55 games, right? So he missed a bunch, missed 27 games. But in those 55 games, averaged 35 and a half minutes, 29 points a game on 50% shooting, 32% from three, not great. 8.3 boards, 6.8 assists, a steal a game. Statistically, he sounds like the old LeBron, other than the fact that he only played 55 games. Now, we know if we, if you watched him, that until the playoffs, there's definitely some coasting going on. He's one of the only players in NBA history that can coast his way to almost 30 points a game. Um, but again, I like LeBron as a buy, not based on what he's going to do in the future, but based on what his, his overall sort of like, what his overall sort of career already looks like. Um, I know some people are really hot or really cold on LeBron. He's one of the most polarizing guys ever. I don't really understand that. I think he's he's just an incredible player. He's always been an incredible player. As far as somebody who's had the sort of like laser focus on them from the media, I don't think he could have been much better than he's been. Yes, he's got some warts. I, I get it. He's one of the greatest players of all time, though, guys. And he has... Um, he has cards that are super interesting to me right now. And so I, again, I feel like he's, he's super interesting. 
do they have any chance to win a championship going forward? You know, my question to that is, how are, are they going to be able to re-sign Reeves? What does the change in the salary cap do to them? And Anthony Davis, look, Anthony Davis played one more game than LeBron this year, and his stats on a per-game basis, I'm not so sure who was better of the two players. That's a problem because AD came into the league nearly a decade after LeBron did, and he should be able to be, you know, a guy who's out there, you know, you know what you're going to get out of him. But the problem with AD has never been about skill. It's always been about can he stay healthy. If he could stay healthy for a whole year, man, it would it would be – it would be something really to sort of behold, right? Yeah, he, he, he's one of the most he's one of the most entertaining, one of the most talented players that we've ever seen. Can't stay healthy. And so, you know, are they going to be able to re-sign Reeves? Somebody's going to offer Reeves $20 million a year. I'm telling you guys right now. He's that good. Um, and a guy, you know, people are, are up on uh, Rui. Rui may or may not be super important for them long-term. Reeves definitely is, though. There's not a lot of guys that are that size who can handle the ball, who can distribute the ball. He's their third banana right now, and they need him if they're going to have any chance going forward. So there's my there's my breakdown of those two teams that just went out. I think those are four really important players to watch in the market. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Okay, now let's talk about the finals. The Nuggets versus the Heat. If you bet on those two going into the season, put your hand in the air. You were lying. <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't say that. The Nuggets, we believed were going to be good, and the Heat were good last year, right? The Heat were great last year. But as we went through the season, the Nuggets were this great team. It weren't, right? Remember, the Heat were in the play-in game. The Heat were losing to the Chicago Bulls in the play-in game to be able to be the eighth seed, to go get destroyed by the Milwaukee Bucks, just like a little bit over a month ago, right? Or a month and a half ago. It just all changes so fast in the NBA. And the fact that it changes so fast leads you to these moments that are so important. The finals is where car valuations can do some very, like, insane, interesting things. Okay, let me repeat that. The finals are where car valuations can do insane and interesting things, both in the short and in the long term. Why? Because everyone is watching. Not only is everyone watching, but for card guys, this is especially fun because we're looking at two teams who have stars who haven't been hyped as much as others, right? What if we'd had Tatum versus LeBron in the finals? Now, people want to talk about how, how much of a huge impact it can have on, the, on those guys. I'm going to tell you, LeBron in the long term wouldn't be that impacted by it. Why? Because what he's doing this year is just a piece of who he is long-term. It's true. It is. People would say, now people might say, well, LeBron would have been viewed as the best player ever if he would have won this year. Okay, maybe that's true. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But to me, like his stuff's already so, has already been so highly valued. And people have have sort of, you know, you, you know the old saying, buy the rumor, sell the, uh, buy the, buy the rumor, sell the news. People, um, you know, people have been off the LeBron wagon because they thought, Going past the all-time, going past Kareem on the all-time scoring list would be what he needed to do to take on like a new, a new value long-term. Um, and you know, my experience tells me that's that's what a lot of people do is they buy stuff up so that they can then sell it at the right time. And a lot of the people who have LeBron have, have sold now, which is kind of cool because a lot of LeBron stuff is actually going to to um, 
people's collections where they want to keep the cards. If if I buy the big LeBron rookie that I'm looking at right now, it will just stay with me, right? I won't sell that card, at least, I mean, maybe I will at some point, but I won't have any intention of, of selling it when I buy it. And there's a good chance I'll own it for years and years and years. Um, and that's what happens when prices go down and it's not speculation anymore. A lot of times collectors then come in at that moment and that's when they buy the cards. So, okay. So back to the Nuggets versus the Heat. You've got a guy in Jokic who, again, I don't think has been hyped to death like so many of these other guys. Um, and you've got a guy in Jimmy Butler who, despite the fact that he's been in the finals before, also has just not been hyped the same way. And then you have interesting pieces on either side. You've got Porter and you've got Murray on the on the Nuggets. I should have said Murray's name first. And then on the on the Heat, you also have Bam. And then you've got weird weird guys like Kyle Lowry. Does Tyler, Tyler Hero come back? Um, <laughs> got a bunch of guys that were undrafted, um, <laughs> right? You you have guys that that scored 20 points a game, like Caleb Martin in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals, and people are like, wait, does he have cards? I want to know if he has cards. The guy, offered, the guy averaged nine points a game in the East, in the regular season and then went on to score literally almost 20 points a game in the Eastern Conference Finals, shooting unbelievably for the field, from the field. Um, and all of these guys can have real moments, and, and you can have short-term and long-term changes because of what happens here. Okay, so... Um, so with all of that said, let's talk specifically starting out about Jokic, and then we'll get to Butler and maybe talk a little bit about some of the other ones before we close. So Jokic is super interesting to me because as a guy who came out in the second round and as a big guy who came out in the second round, you know, we're kind of lucky that we got the cards that we did get at him. Um, we didn't get nearly the nearly as many as we could have, Right? For example, he does not have a National Treasures RPA, and some people view the National Treasures RPA as like the clear-cut, always best card. But where he doesn't have that, he does have some other big-time cards. Right? He has a, um, you know, he has multiple other RPAs, and he does have a main Prism card. Um, one of the things that I, as a Rudy Gobert collector, one of the things that I've always thought is it's a shame that he didn't have a base card from Prism. His only rookie card was in the autograph set. Unfortunately, with Jokic, that's not the case. He has a base card. And that's where really most of his real big cards are. Right? His big, rarest, most difficult to get parallels, right? Those cards are really like some of the most sought-after cards in, in the hobby today. Because what's been become clear throughout this run is Jokic is one of the players of the era. Not only does he have multiple MVPs, but now he has playoff success. Even if he loses against the Heat, he still has a finals appearance, and he's still one of the players of the era. He doesn't have an NTRPA, but he has an Immaculate. He has a Noir. He actually has a couple of Noir RPAs. I bought one for $150 that I sold on ComC for $175 three years ago, so you know I'm a genius. Um, I, I believed in that card as a long-term card and then needed to sell it when I needed to raise funds. And I look back at that now and go, oh my goodness. You hate those moments where you're right and you know you're right. And then everything falls apart because of something that sort of, you know, I don't want to say it was outside my control, but because, because you prioritize something else. And so that was my fault and it was dumb. But I love the, the Noir. Um, you've got the, the gold autograph on the Noir. That to me is his 
his the RPA of his that I personally like the most. I don't think it's ever going to be the one that's worth the most. I think that probably goes to the Immaculate, but that gold paint pen on the beautiful black background with great looking patch. To me, that's my favorite RPA of his. The one that I had was the blue one. I think it generally sells for a little bit less than the gold. I think people really, although a lot of people talk schmack about the gold, um, I think a lot of people really like it aesthetically. And then you have the Immaculate. All of those cards, I believe all of them are out of 99. Maybe, maybe the Noir is not. Maybe it's out of like 125, actually. Check those out. Um, but look, Prism's King. You know, for those for those lucky people out there that are like holding Prism Golds of Nikola Jokic, like, holy crap. Like, <laughs> it's just an amazing thing. That's a card that legitimately at one point might have costed sub $200. Seriously, like back back in you know, 2014 when the card, I think 2014 or 2015, I should know that. I think it's, uh, shoot, I should know that. Um, whichever year, I always get those two confused. Whichever year he is, um, you know, that that era was was pre, you know, huge population. It, uh, it wasn't 2012, but it's still fairly rare. And so even like a basic silver of Jokic from that year is a super card. Um, what I'm interested to see is if they win it, what happens? Because he's not, you know, you know this, he's not a sexy type investment. People like wings. They like high athleticism. Jokic is big. He's an amazing passer. I think he's incredible to watch. I think he's as fun to watch as anybody, but he doesn't fit the mold. And big guys often fail because they don't fit the mold from an, from an investment perspective. Um, Butler, on the other hand, is a guy who we've known about for much longer. A guy who, like Jokic, was the later pick, right? He, I think Butler was the last pick in the first round of the 2011 uh, draft. Guy out of Marquette who was viewed as like a 3 and D type guy who hopefully could hang on in the NBA. And now here we are where he's leading his team to a second finals. He's had all sorts of other playoff success. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And yet his pricing has never been super high. Part of that is probably because he's moved around as much as he has. And part of it also is because he was never supposed to be as great as he is. Um, a championship for either one of these two guys elevates them into a different or into a different uh, conversation. I personally will be, I, I want, I kind of want to see both teams win it because I really like both teams, but Given that Butler's been there before and that he's had the success that he's had and that he's in an eighth seed, I think that story would be most interesting. And I, I'm hoping for that. Um, guys like Murray and Porter on Denver also have a chance to do huge things. If you remember, Jamal Murray in the bubble had several 50-point game, game performances. He's a guy who can erupt at any time. But the way that Miami plays defense, I think they're going to make things pretty tough on him. Uh, same for Porter. That is, of course, unless they just can't deal with Jokic in any way and they leave those guys. I just I believe in the coaching of Spo and the and the um, you know, the Miami sort of culture enough to think that they're going to be able to figure out a way to deal with Jokic. But when I look at it on paper, I just think, holy crap, Bam's just going to get eaten alive. I mean, how many like? Does, does Jokic outweigh Bam by 60 pounds, 80 pounds, like 100 pounds? I mean, he's so much bigger. He's just going to beat the crap out of him. And and so 
even though Miami has this great culture and they do everything the right way, I I think it's going to be a real slog for them. And and Denver's just wiping the floor with teams, right? They destroyed uh, Minnesota in their first game, and then after that it was a really close series, but Minnesota only won one game. The Suns put up two historically great offensive performances to win two games, and the Lakers stayed in every game but couldn't even pull out a single game. So what are the odds that Miami can then go win four in a row? It seems like it's going to take something significant for that to happen. But having said that, Miami just went and beat the two best teams apparently in the league, according to most people, or at least according to Vegas, in Boston and Milwaukee. And I'm going to tell you, they were the better team. They just were. The Knicks were an amazing team this year too, and they beat the crap out of the Knicks. So uh, these are these are the two best teams so far. They're the two best teams we've seen. They are. And so it will be really exciting to see what happens, and uh, and I'm really hyped for it. So um, this is just a reminder, eBay sucks. Like, it totally sucks. I would love to say that it doesn't suck. I've used eBay for years. I still use it, but it sucks. Caleb Martin is such an interesting case to me right now because he's hotter than ever, but it creates this situation where people might buy his cards with an intent to watch how he's doing and then may either return them if he doesn't play well, or they may not pay for them. Unfortunately, it's the Wild West on eBay right now, and there's no control that should be there. It's just, um, sorry, just had the phone fell, but I had to not take it. Um, it's it's definitely a, a, a tough time on eBay. And so just a reminder, if you're buying and selling, be really careful. I don't know what that means. I don't have really great advice for you other than to use, um, you know, to use the auction houses. And I know when you use the auction houses, sometimes you might miss some audience, but at least you know you're, you've got real things happening, right? You've got real people who are willing to like actually buy the cards in most cases. That what I'm saying is the pay rate on eBay is significantly lower, right? I, I, will, I will even say this. I've had to, because I've had some people who've wanted PayPal for some things that I'm buying, I've had um, a few items that have needed to be sold recently on eBay. And in the process of those items selling on eBay, so I've sold three high-end cards. Two of the three weren't paid for. The other one, I was actually shocked, was paid for. Um, it's really too bad because you can't depend on people paying at all and people will just... I'll tell you, I had a card that, that I sold via consignment company and the consignment company sold it. And as soon as it ended, they DM me and said, Hey, Adam, sorry, but this was bought by a zero feedback user. We're going to see if they'll pay, but we think it's unlikely. They were right. I didn't pay. And then I asked them, I was like, well, do you want to just relist it? And they said, you know what? Honestly, with this specific card, I'm not sure this card's ever going to actually sell on eBay because high-end cards of this player in general aren't getting paid for these days. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? So in the end, I had the card sent back to me, but like that was because the consignment company actually felt like we couldn't get the card sold. Think about that. It's awful. Okay. I need to finish this up quick. Um, real quick. I wanted to do a fast BCF review for anybody who didn't subscribe, uh, hopefully to tempt you into subscribing in the future. Again, bcfmag.com, bcfmag.com to be able to subscribe. Um, last issue, issue 33 has been, has been really well received by the community. Issue 33 has a Jerry West 1961 card on the cover, and that's because our friend Michael Goring, Lakers Forum Gold, chose that card. It's one of his favorite cards in his collection, and he felt, felt like it represents his collection the right way. I interviewed him. It's a big, long interview. One of the questions that I asked him that I really loved was, 
I asked him what the five most iconic Laker cards of all time are. About that, guys. It's a super interesting conversation. Michael's answer was fantastic. Later, we heard from Dennis Rodman Collection about how he took 25 years building the Dennis Rodman Complete Legacy Collection out of Flair Showcase out of three years. Amazing details in that story. It's fantastic. Then we heard from Gray's tra Trading Post on 2015 Panini Complete Golds, a parallel that you probably haven't heard of before. You probably don't know it exists, and it's extremely rare. One of the more difficult pulls of the era, and his perspective on that was fantastic. We then hear from Frankie3500, uh, and I think Frankie's third piece that he's done for the magazine. He talks about modern cards of vintage greats and how he's gotten into autographs and autograph patch cards of modern uh, from modern products of players that have long since retired. Great prices and amazing value on those cards, and his perspective is fantastic. And then lastly, I talk about what I believe are the five best, I called it, sorry, the, the top five Kobe autos from the Panini era. And so look through everything from 2009 through basically through the end of Kobe's life and said, which are the five card, five autographs that I think are like the coolest top five um, Kobe autos, not the top five as far as value goes, but as far as like perspective goes um, or fans or love of those cards. So anyway, if you want to subscribe to future issues of BCF mag or BCF, uh, you can, you can do that at bcfmag.com. If you want to get old digital issues, please uh, do that. And if you've made it all the way to this episode and you want a coupon code for BCF, DM me at um, the real 27 guy and I will send you a coupon code that will allow you to get a percentage off of BCF. Uh, three, six, 12, one past issue, whatever it is that you want. And I will get you a coupon code for that. Just one time though. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Um, next time I'm going to tell you about the single worst purchase I have ever made during the, um, that I ever made during the pandemic, um, and the card that I was referring to a few minutes ago. Until next time, happy collecting.